0: That is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message.
1: We all said together, amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Sunday school, God uncut. If I can draw your attention to that first verse there in Isaiah 55, verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on the Lord while he is yet near seek the Lord while me while he may be found if it was ever appropriate to say it, and I know we heard it for years, but it is ever more appropriate today, if we ever needed the Lord before, surely we need him now. If there was ever a time to seek the Lord, if there was ever a time to move past what you thought it was, and to draw nigh unto him that he might draw nigh unto you. I don't know exactly what it is, that will cause you to seek the Lord while he yet may be found. To draw near to God while he is yet near. If there's ever a time for that, it's now. If we ever needed God before, it's today. Now, I'm sure if I said, okay, why do you need God? Why do you need God? Everybody could stand up and say a whole bunch of stuff. Let me give you something I think we can agree about as to why we need God like never before. We need God because we have come to the understanding that people is not enough. And I said people is not enough. I know it's not correct English, but I—I it would have been right to say people are not enough. But when I say people is not enough, I mean that we come to the understanding that people, that if our goal is people, if our idea is people and the thoughts of people and the grouping of people, when people get together, they get people-y. And peoplely people have a way of messing up stuff. No matter how pure you want it to be in the beginning, there's something about people and their peopleness that makes stuff more peoplely than godly. No matter what you think church might be, no matter how great you think this church is or whatever church you think you go to, the challenge of church is that church is full of people. No matter how great you think a company is, no matter how great you think a job is, no matter how great you think a something is, if there's people in it, People have a way of making stuff people-y, and when you get around enough people, marry enough people, have enough people come out your body, live with enough people, talk to enough people, eat with enough people, after some people time, you start to get to a point where you say, can I get some God time just to help balance out this people time? Because if People is my only goal. I will be let down every time. Just when I think I've met the perfect people, I end up finding out that they're not quite as perfect as I thought they were. And to be honest, they ended up just like me. Just when you think you found the perfect situation, you find out that there's people in that situation and people are entirely people-y. Even highly intentioned people are imperfect. Just because someone has high intentions does not mean that the result is positive. We have to acknowledge that when people get in it, when people get involved in it, peopleness has a tendency to break out. Even highly intentioned Christians. Maybe some of the most dangerous people are highly intentioned Christians. Even in our attentions that seem high we have to keep in mind that there's a people factor in it one of the things that i'm trying to do as we look at the scriptures together and study the word together is see is it possible for us to talk about god uncut outside of our understanding of Him as a people. Because what happens is when people get mixed with God, the peopleness of people has a tendency to make God people. And so many folk who have a problem with God, don't necessarily have a problem with God uncut. They have a problem with the peopled version of God that they have been taught. And what I'd like to do for just a minute is see if I can represent God in his pure godness and not necessarily in the people way that he is described. Is it possible for us to talk about God outside of a cultural understanding of him? Even this is a cultural understanding of him. Part of why I started out coming out of Isaiah 55 is because right in the beginning, we come to an understanding that God is not like us. Isaiah 55, the Lord says, for my ways are not your ways, neither are my thoughts your thoughts. As high as the heavens are from the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. In essence, the Lord is saying, I made you in my image, don't make me in yours, In essence, God is saying, I am the original and you are the copy. And it is a mistake to think that because you're the copy, you are the same as the original. Anybody in here old enough to remember back in the day when you could make a copy of a tape? First of all, in the room, I won't even ask online, because y'all have uh, smartphones, so y'all don't know nothing about this. But back in the day, there was this thing called a cassette tape. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. There was a cassette tape, and then there was a boom box. Come on now. And a good one had a cassette player on both sides. Get out of here. So, you could put the original on one side, and then you could put your blank tape on the other side, and you could make your own mixtape. Get out of here. Y'all don't even want to talk about a mixtape because some of y'all are here because of a mixtape. Some of y'all are born because of a van and a mixtape. What I'm saying is that if you ever made a mixtape, if you ever copied music from an original cassette to a copy, you learn that that's about as good as it's going to get because you don't want. start making copies of copies because the more copies you make the further you get away from the equality of the original we are made in his image let's not make him in ours When God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, sure, we're made in his image, but we're not Alpha and Omega. We're not beginning and the end. We're not omniscient. We're not omnipresent. We don't live outside of time. So we understand that we are made in his image, not that he is made in ours, but in our determination to understand him in our determination to predict Him, in our determination to decide that we want to be sure, in our determination to be sure, we lessen God by making Him like us. Instead of us just acknowledging that we're made in His image, we decide to create a God made in ours. One of the problems with depicting Jesus as a white man and no shade meant to anybody in here that's with me that's a white man or watching around the world that might be a white man, no shade meant. But one of the challenges of depicting Jesus or God as a white man is not just that he wasn't white. Make all the arguments about where he was born and the fact that he's not white. It's not just that. It's also that by depicting him as a white man, we per- perpetuate the idea that what is fallible in the white man is also in him. And we began and if, if we presented him as a black man, if we presented him as an Indian man, if we present whatever man we predicted him as, we would then begin to see him in our image and Paul warns us against that. He warns us against worshiping. The created thing rather than the creator who is forever praised. Am I getting too deep for you this morning? What I'm saying to you is that we have to be careful that we don't make God like us. We make God like us and we disempower him. Now, I don't know How you feel about what has just happened in the Supreme Court, I'm not really here to discuss it. I'm not gonna talk about that that much, but I will say this, you become dependent on the government to regulate morality when the church is not as powerful as it needs to be. I would contend that abortion is a fruit issue, not a root issue. The root issue is that we are on the verge of losing intimacy as a real concept. When sex becomes overly recreational, it loses its value of intimacy and that is dangerous for a society it is dangerous for an individual person whatever you do don't lose all intimacy young folk that are listening to me listen to the gray heads don't tell everybody every thought you have through your phone A part of the reason why you have a brain is to be able to save some thoughts for intimacy. There should be some things that only the closest people to you know. I'm going to make everybody clap to that. Why is there such a temptation to tell the world your whole business? What is the enemy really after? What he's really after is intimacy. Intimacy. But and when the church, who is supposed to lift up Christ, and Jesus said, If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. And if we believe that's true and we're really lifting him up, then where are all the men? Not saying we're not lifting him up. I'm just saying that if the promise is if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself and we're lifting him up, then instead of just entrusting our government with our morality, we may want to question our theology and its efficacy. Let me say that in a little bit of a simpler way unless in case I I left somebody. Instead of us just asking the government to regulate right and wrong, we might want to ask if whether or not our church message is effective enough so that we can actually empower the kind of morality that we would like to see. How many people still live with their mama? If you still live with your mama... Some of y'all still live with your mama, but most of us is free. Love my mama, but I don't want to live with her. Love my mama, but I don't want her telling me what to do and where to go and what to eat and do this and put on your hat and eat your vegetables and it's time to get up and it's time to leave and where you're going to be and when you're going to come back. We have to be careful about entrusting what we ought to do to somebody to make us do it.
0: If you are in the Charlotte, North Carolina area and want to see Pastor Andy live, he and W.O.C.C. will be doing a pop-up worship service on July 3rd, 2022. The service will be at the Knight Theater in downtown Charlotte at 10 a.m. Visit www.worldovercomers.church podcast to save your seat and we will see you there. One of the ways in which we know that God's not
1: like us is that the Lord says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and let the unrighteous uh, forsake their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. God has mercy. God has mercy. One of the ways that we know that God is not like us is that God is merciful. His mercy endures forever. His grace is sufficient for everybody who thinks God's grace can run out Can I tell you the truth? God's grace is sufficient. Anybody glad for the sufficiency of the grace of God? The reason why we start to describe God as you better be careful, you better watch out, your grace will run out is because that's how we are. Our grace has a limit. Our mercy has a limit. We cannot fathom a God that will never be tired. We can't fathom a God that will never only but get so upset with you. We can't. And so we decide to make him like us because we cannot fathom the difference. But the other reason why we do it, beloved, is because for centuries, religious theology has been used to reinforce empirical decisions. Understand, don't miss the real message. We have a tendency to cloud our imp- Empirical agenda in theological fervor. In other words, when an empire is trying to consolidate their power, they don't just do it with might, they do it with right. Whoever controls the heavens controls the earth. So when someone decides that they want to consolidate their power as an empire, they decide that they're also going to impact what the people believe. And they're going to put eternality behind the theology that pushes the agenda that's important to them. So we can all get caught up in the morality of the abortion discussion. Not here to talk about it. Not here to discuss it. Don't want to go there. I just want you to be aware of the fact that there is an empirical agenda behind this decision. That this is something that is being recommended, not just for the individual, but for the strength of the empire. Sometimes the needs of the empire outweigh the rights of the individual. And that's a scary thought. It's a scary thought to think that there are people that are making decisions in The agenda of strengthening their empire outside of what is good for the individual. Have I lost you? You understand that there's something bigger than just theology in this. I'm not saying it hasn't been made about theology. And I'm not saying as a Christian, we may say, oh, this is the right thing. And I, I'm not, not arguing with you, but I just want you to understand that there is also an empire agenda behind this. You have to look at the census, beloved. You have to take a look at what has happened in the last three census. You have to take a look at what the population numbers are. You have to take a look at the birth dearth that's happening with certain groups. You have to take a look at the fact that the Hispanic population is growing faster than ever. You have to look at the fact that the white population is going down in number. And black people, we have to take a look at the fact that we have flatlined for the last three census, the African-American population in America has stayed steady at 12%. And might I suggest, before I stop meddling and go on back into the word, that perhaps we may want to ask ourselves, are we best served with a liberal agenda Or would the black family and the African-American people be better served by a concept that is a bit more conservative? Got quiet on that one. We can be mad at the agenda. We can look at the agenda and be mad about it. We can say, oh, they're just trying to have more births. Because they're afraid they're going to lose control of the country numerically. And if they want to have votes, then they got to have more births. We could look at that and be critical of it and call it supremacy if we want to. Or we could ask ourselves, why aren't we being more serious about what is required to build a people? Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. Might I suggest to you, theologically, and I will move on. Might I suggest to you, theologically, that when God appears, and I want to get into the original intent of God, because I think the original intent of God is much more applicable to the individual than the law. Understand. The law was not given until the formation of a people. It wasn't an accident that God allowed his people to be enslaved in Egypt for 400 years because before they got to Egypt, they were a nomadic shepherd tribal group, and Egypt was the greatest nation in the world. They went into Egypt, a small little group of shepherds, and came out a great nation. Not only did they come out strong numerically, but they also came out understanding system and agriculture. The reason why they went to Egypt for a famine is because Egypt was not affected by famine the way they were because Egypt had tech. And if you think that the children of Israel were only there in the fields, you got another thing coming. They were in the fields, but they were also in the house. They were also learning the system. As a matter of fact, their leader, Moses, was raised in Pharaoh's house. That shows an intent of God. They didn't just get delivered then because they cried out. They got delivered then because they got there what they were supposed to get. They had learned structure. They had learned government. They had learned agriculture. And now it was time for God to rescue them, take them to Canaan, a nation that was nomadic. They, in essence, looted the Egyptians Because after the plagues, the Egyptians wanted them out and gave them gold. Then Pharaoh's army was devastated in the Red Sea. Now they go to Canaan to take over a nation that's just a bunch of tribes. And they've got infrastructure, and they've got power, and they know agriculture, and they understand system, and they understand government. And on the way there... God gives them the law because the law is more about empire building than it is about the individual. I know this is a hard word because we have all been taught Leviticus in terms of Leviticus being about the individual got you, but what I'm saying is if you want to know God's intent for the individual, you've got to go earlier than when a nation was formed. If the law was vital for the individual, then the minute Adam and Eve messed up, God would have gave the law, but God didn't give the law until it was time to build a nation. My God. So what I'm saying to you is if you wonder why there's a group on the right that is so impassioned about Levitical thought, it's because they are trying to build a nation and not just you as an individual. And they're afraid of other nations that don't care about the rights of the individual but care more about the power of the empire. In essence, we have they have fought a war. NATO has fought a war against a dude who will suppress individual rights for the strength of his country. He's not gonna let his natural resource be taken. And so if he has to if he has to kill, he'll kill. If he has to lock folk up, he'll lock folk up. He's not gonna let journalists just write whatever they want. Not commenting on it one way or the other. I'm just saying, beloved, see it. See it for the truth that it is. If you're concerned about the loss of individual rights, understand why. And we may couch it as theology, but what it really is, is empire. And if we want to know what God has for an individual person, then we've got to go back to the garden and back to the beginning and look at creation and ask ourselves, do we believe God created? I do. And do we believe that God is intelligently designed humans? I believe that. And so we have to look at that God and look at that interaction if we're going to come down with a realistic perspective about God's view of the individual. So, if you're bothered by what happened this past week, I got you. But what I would suggest is we ask God, who thinks higher, who acts higher, what was his intent? Now, I'm going to speak a word over all of us, and that is that our God is intentional. I speak that over everybody right now. He's an intentional God, and that he'll even make the crooked straight. He'll even make the rough places plain. He'll take the stuff that don't make sense and make it make sense, that all things work together for the good of them who love God and are called according to his purpose. So even if something happens that looks like it's not God, God says that's all right. I've got the power to design, but I also have the anointing to fix what gets broken. I'm going to make everybody say something to me about that because every one of us in here are dealing with stuff that's not God's original intent for us. And so what I'm saying is, is let's take a look at God's original intent by looking at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. In verse 26, to me, this is God uncut. I'm going to share this with you in 10 minutes. I'll let you go. Number one, he says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our own likeness so that they may rule. So the first intent of God is humans in his image, not God in humans image I've made that point already this morning but humans in God's image he is the original we are the copy and by him being the original and us being the copy what that means is that we continually aspire to be like him we don't sink and allow for him to be like us we don't limit him to be us. We aspire to be like him. Humans in his image have power.
0: If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible. God's original
1: intent is, let's make man in our own image and in our own likeness that they'll rule. So the original intent of God is for mankind to have say. I asked the question earlier, how many of you still live with your mama? And it got real quiet because we don't live with our mama, but we didn't want to say it because we don't want to offend our mama. But you don't have to worry about offending your mama. My mama's watching. You don't have to worry about offending your mama because you know what? Your mama don't want to live with you neither. Because being a mama is cool for a while, then it gets old. old. Go ahead, mamas. You can say amen. It gets old. Oh, you get tired of wiping. You get tired of feeding. You get tired of taking. You get tired. At some point, you want to take care of you. You want to get your hair done, your feet done, your nails done. You want to be by yourself. You like my baby. You can't wait for them to go to school. I wish I had a witness. You can't wait for them to go to bed. 730 can't come early enough for you. It's time for bed. 8 o'clock night-night. Cause you've had about all the mom, you can stand and let them get up at 11, and you look at them like they are absolutely crazy. What are you doing out of your bed? Not only do you need sleep, but I need a break from you. Might I contend that God isn't interested in telling you everything to do all the time. Might I suggest that if you've been taught a theology in which God makes all your decisions and tells you everywhere to go and who to marry and what cereal to eat and when to get up and when to do this and the Holy Ghost told me this and then the Holy Ghost told me to get outside and the Holy Ghost told me, go in that store and then the Holy Ghost told me, buy them shoes real quick and then the Holy Ghost told me, you need to read the paper today and then the Holy Ghost told me, you know, you need to eat a grape you need to drink grape soda, not orange because purple is royal. If, if you were taught that God is making all of your decisions for you, you were taught a theology of man. Because a man wants to control your every thought. A man wants to control everything you do. A somebody, as a result of their empirical agenda, wants to control your every waking moment. And so now they want to tell you that your God is that way. But I would contend that the God that made you, made you to rule. The God that made you, made you to have some say. If you're going to be an atheist, be an atheist about the real God. If you're going to be an agnostic, being an agnostic about the real God, don't be atheists about the God they told you he was. He said, let's make man in our own image, in our own likeness, and let's make them like us because we're going to give them some say, and they're going to rule, and they're going to have some power, and they're going to be able to make some decisions. Don't nobody want to make all your decisions for you. I was not interested in being in control of your every waking moment. God's bigger than that. He's not that insecure. It is an insecure somebody that has to be in control of every little thing you do. My God. It is an, in control. It is an insecure mama that can't just let you go. It is an insecure daddy that can't say, all right, see you later. Call me later. It is an insecure man that needs to know where you are every second. It is an insecure woman who's scared for you to leave the house. It's an insecure somebody. Got to check your phone every second. It's an insecure somebody that's like, who that, who that, who that chick, who that? That's an insecure somebody that wants to control your every living move. My God's not like that. But you've been told he's like that because that's how they are. Number two, it said, God said, let us make man in our own image and our own likeness. The Bible says, God said to them. So, number two, the original ten of God, is God made humans he can talk to. God made humans he can talk to. I want you to acknowledge at this time, there's no church, there's no preacher, there's no Bible, there's no law, there is relationship. I'm going to make everybody clap for that because we have a tendency to replace relationship with religion. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been six weeks since my last confession. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Bless thee. Hail Mary, mother, full of God. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. We have exchanged the truth of a relationship with God with a priestly intercessor and mediator because we are more easily controlled by religion. Even me, I'm halfway scared to preach this because I need y'all to go to church and pay your tithes. But don't get it twisted. You don't need me to talk to God. Oh, I'm going to say that right now. I'm going to make everybody in the room clap for that. I said, I'm going to make everybody clap for that. If you know that's true, give God a praise real quick. You don't need Pastor Andy. You don't need Pastor Tony. You don't need Pastor Al. You don't need Pastor Tyrus. We are gifted and anointed, and we will definitely get up here and make you shout. But if you ever need God, if you ever find yourself in your dark moment, if you ever wonder if he cares about you, you do not have to be here. You do not need the Hammond b three. You can slip out, go into the bathroom in your job. You can go sit in your car, and you can say, I need it. I need thee you don't need these elders and I got some praying elders and some praying men and women in God in here but the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much but not just that the same God that said that also said whoever is least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist God will hear you when you're a heathen. I need a witness in the building. I said I need a witness in the building. God will hear you by yourself. You don't have to be born in America to talk to God. You don't have to be a Christian to talk to God. Sorry, but you don't. You know how you know? Because when y'all were barely Christians, y'all used to pray all the time. You prayed before you went in that club. you prayed when you was leaving. Get out of here, don't even. you prayed the whole time. I would like to submit for your consideration that when you get to heaven, you're gonna meet some people that weren't born in America. And you're gonna ask them, how'd you get here? And they're gonna tell you, you know what? I just decided to seek the Lord while he may be found on call him while he was near. And in the middle of this place, in the middle of where I was, I heard a voice that spoke to me and it spoke my language and it spoke in my tongue. And I found out that God don't need me to speak English to talk to me. And God don't need me to be a certain color to talk to me. And God don't need me to be a certain culture to talk to me. And if you think God likes only one culture, you don't know the Bible. Because the minute Christ came and the Jews started trying to make everybody Jewish, Paul said, what are you doing? Paul had arguments with the Judaizers. He was saying the role is not to make everybody one culture. Number three, he says to them, I bless you. So the third intent of God is humans he can like and bless. Bless. I got good news for everybody in this room. God wants to bless everybody. Oh, hallelujah. God's got a blessing with your name on it. Somebody better shout about that. God has a blessing with your name on it. God has a blessing with your name. on. I think I'm going to get a witness in here. God has a blessing with your name on it. You don't have to be jealous of my blessing. You don't have to be jealous of my favor. You don't have to be jealous of what God is doing in me. All you got to do is believe that the God that originally created mankind had a design to bless them. God blessed them. He liked them. He blessed them. He said, be fruitful. He said, multiply. And so God's original intent is fruitfulness and multiplication. And I speak it over this room and over everybody watching around the world. May everything you put your hand to do prosper. May every business venture you have prosper. May everything that you do grow. May you have a green thumb on all your money and on all your business. And may your children prosper. And may your children's children prosper. And we rebuke the devil and his plan for our seed in here. Because the original intent of God is for you to have children and for them to have children and for them to be blessed. And I curse the plan to stop your fruitfulness. I'm oh, down to a second. Number four. I'm going to finish. Let me finish. Number four. His, he says he, he, he. says to them in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and, and he put him in the garden. He said to them in chapter 1, in verse 29, let me not skip it. He says, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. So number four. The original tent of God is humans he can provide for the original intent of god is provision the original intent of god is more than enough the original intent of god is not barely enough food the original intent of god is not barely enough the the original intent of god is abundance I said the original intent of God is abundance. He says, see all these trees? They're all yours for food. You got two people here, and he's saying, every tree here, eat till you want. I have made you so your skin will stretch. Oh, I wish I had a stretch mark in the mill. I wish I had a, somebody honest with a stretch mark. What's that stretch mark about? That stretch mark means that your skin is made to stretch. You will not pop if you eat enough cookies. You are made for abundance. Chapter 2, verse 15 says the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So number five, the original ten of God is humans he can give purpose to. He didn't create man to sit around doing nothing. I will contend that we are eternal beings driven by purpose. I even wonder if our interpretation of heaven is correct. Because I don't know if eternal purpose-driven beings are going to be happy sitting around praising all day. Might I suggest that that is an interpretation of a slave? A slave is somebody who wants to sit down around there, Jesus, and sit down and rest a little while. We'll soon be done with troubles and trials, troubles and trials. When we get home on the other side, I'm gonna sit down beside my Jesus, sit down a little bit of water, sit down beside my Jesus, sit down rest a little while. We'll soon be done. Might I suggest that that's a slave's perspective of heaven? When you do work with no purpose, you just want rest from work. But if you are ever driven by purpose and ever fulfilled by the work you do, then you will understand that you're an eternal being, and God gave purpose to Adam because eternal beings have purpose, and I don't know if we're here just to do work and then go rest. That sounds like a theology that is very man-based. Hard one here, verse 16, this is tough. I'm going to go ahead and I'm over, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to you because we shouted, so you took up my time, so it's not my fault. Blame yourself. (laughs) Pastor Tyrus tried to go to that video about five times, and everybody that was in the back said, ah! Y'all are the ones while we going over, so don't be mad at me. That's Andy, don't. Go make his time. And verse 16 says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. So number six, the original intent of God is humans who can handle choice. I'm just gonna leave that one alone, but humans that can handle choice. So, if you want a God that takes all your choices from you, you've got a problem with God in the original intent of God in the garden. Why put a tree there that they ain't supposed to touch? Yeah, Pastor Andy, that's true. Why would God do that? I can tell you why. Because the Bible says, beloved, let's love one another. For lovers of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. If God is love, then there is no love if there's no choice. You tell me right now, I love me some German chocolate cake. But if German chocolate cake is the only kind of cake, you ain't said nothing. But if there's 15 cakes in front of you, oh, my Lord, and you choose German chocolate because it's your favorite, that is a sign that you love it. In the exact same way, if you tell me I have been delivered from German chocolate cake, but then we find out that there was a bomb that went off and blew up all the German chocolate cake, and German chocolate cake don't exist no more, you ain't said nothing. You're not free from something when it's not available to you. You free from it when it's in your face and you still say no. Okay, I'm going to leave that one alone right now. I'm just going to go right on. So you're going to eradicate sin so there'll be no sin to choose. And all of us that were taught that, what the Bible says, if your if you eye offend you, pluck it out. I don't see not a one, one-eyed person in this room. Oh, I wish I had a witness in the bed. If your hand offends you, I cut it off. Gentlemen, when I heard that, I was a teenager, and there was something that was happening with my, uh, well, i just leave that alone with my hand. What I'm saying is, is what I would have needed to cut off to be holy would have been more than my hand. Can't get no amen on that one. Sorry. I thought I had some men in the room with me. All the the brothers left me like, what you talking about, Pastor Andy? Y'all know good and well what I'm talking about. What is this pornography you speak of? Pornography? Well, what could that be? All I do is praise Jesus. Ooh, let me move before the lightning bolt hit me for lying. What I'm saying to you is, oh, really? We described a God who removes all choices because we were making a God in the image of a man who doesn't want you to have any choices. I'm going to leave that one right along. And then finally... The Bible says that God said it's not good for man to be alone. We're going to make a suitable somebody. And so number seven is God's original intent was humans who can relate intimately. God's original intent was intimacy. God did not create you to be by yourself well, it's just me. It's just me by myself, and it's just us, and just me alone, and as long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. It's a nice idea, but it's not true. You will lose your mind by yourself too much. After this service, somebody says, hey, will not you come to Bojangles with us? Go to Bojangles with them. Don't say, I got to go home. I got to get back in my prayer room. I got to get up in my prayer closet. (laughs) Just me and God. Just me and God. What you do yesterday? Just me and God. Just me and God just me and god and their breath is all hot and they talk too close just me and god me and god You and God, what? Me and God talking all night. That person is about to be crazy. You cannot be you and God in your prayer closet all the time. Sometimes you got to go eat a biscuit. Sometimes you got to go sit down with somebody. You better get some family. You better get some friends. You better go down to the park. You better go play some basketball. You better do something. No, 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 no. Me and Jesus. Me and Jesus. Me and Jesus. Who told you that? person who told you that was the person who wanted you to be okay without family. Because separating family was a part of the process. Separating family was one of the ways that they kept you weak. Separating family was one of the ways that they kept you distressed. Separating family was one of the ways that they made their money. So if you're too dependent on one another, you got a problem. See, that's your problem. You're too carnal and you need people too much. What you really need is the Lord. God created humans who need each other. God created humans who can't live without people. I don't need nobody, Pastor Andy. Yes, you do. Stop lying to yourself. You need someone who loves you in spite of you. I need a witness in the building. Everybody in here need a friend you can trust. Can I get a witness? Everybody in here needs somebody. that If you tell your secret to them, they won't tell nobody. Everybody in here need a friend that will take the stand and lie on your behalf. I promise you, Your Honor, he was with me all day. You can look at me funny if you want to, but if you ain't got a friend like that, you ain't got a friend. I don't need no friend who's going to let me go to jail. My God, I am way too cute. What I'm saying to you is I need a friend who will drive my Bronco when I'm running from the popo. I said I wasn't going to say that no more, but it's still applicable. Anybody in here, God saved your life through your friend, through your, if it had not been for your friend, if it had not been for your mama, if it had not been for somebody in your face that could encourage you, that could say to you, don't you worry about that. God's got something better planned for you. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. If you didn't have somebody in your life that could tell you, keep on keeping on, you won't make it without somebody in your life. Don't believe that lie. All you need is Jesus. You need more than Jesus. You need another human being. You need a friend. You need a partner. You need a boy. You need a dude. You need your friend. You need your girlfriend. You need people. The original intent of God is not for you to be lonely. The original intent of God is God looks at man and says something is missing and the original intent of God is for humans to be intimate with one another and have family. It's not the original intent of God for you to not trust your family. It's not the original intent of God for your family to be full of jealous haters. That's not the original ten of God. That is is the plan of someone who wants the people closest to you to turn on you, to divide you, to make you easily conquerable. Let's take a look at God Uncut. Let's take our cultural bias out of the Bible and let's surrender to a God that's pure. Put your hands together if you heard a word this morning. I say, can you put your hands together if you heard a word this morning? Okay, sit down, sit down, sit down. Set a clap and let's give. Set a clap and let's give. If you're that happy about it, then let's give. <laughs> if you need an offering envelope, simply raise your hand. One of the gatekeepers will come to you quickly and give you an offering envelope. Beloved, when I moved to North Carolina, you need to know that when I left Boston, I didn't come to North Carolina because I had to. I'm not from here. You can take a picture of that QR code and you'll be able to pull up the, the thing to give to Victory Park. This is our building fund. We're on our way out of here. I left Boston. I didn't have to leave my brother's here with me we didn't have to leave my father had a very large ministry there, I was the oldest I could have stood there, could have stayed there and inherited his ministry that's what he wanted nobody wanted me to leave nobody wanted me to leave not Boston, that's where I'm from I went to Oklahoma to work for a guy named Carlton Pearson I don't know if you ever heard of him worked for him for several years, his senior associate. He wanted me to stay there. He wanted me to take his church over there in Tulsa. But I felt called to something greater. I didn't want to be where I was from, and I didn't want to be in the Bible Belt. I didn't want to be in a place where everybody already knew everything about God. I made a list of cities as to where the Lord want me to go. I really wanted to go to Baltimore. Because Baltimore starts with a B like Boston and it's a little bit south, but a little bit north and it's on the water. Country enough to be country, but city enough to be city. The reason why I didn't go to Baltimore was because there were some pretty serious ministries there. And I felt like the Lord was saying to me, Andy, I want you to do an expression of me where people can see me and not just church. If you talk to me, I don't talk about it too much because I'll get emotional. When I start to think about, I don't wanna just talk about it from an emotional perspective. I wanna talk to you logically. But when I start to think about the goodness of the Lord in my life, if I let myself think about what God has done for me as my friend, I will run around this room and lose my mind because he's been better to me than I've been to myself. I wish I had a witness in the building. Living, he loved me, died and he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Risen, he justified, freed me forever. One day he's coming back. I want my God, my Father, my friend to be seen. I started World Overcomers in 2003 because I wanted people to be able to see God not just all of our religiosity even though I was raised in it I'm a fourth generation preacher my daddy's a bishop and even though I love church I love to shout I love to holler I can hoop Part of, the reason why I don't, uh, part of the reason why I don't do it is because I'm trying to no, knock against it because it's anointed. It's powerful. I it's just that I want you to see the Lord. I, I feel called to create an expression of Him in which He can be seen. And for the last 19 years, that's what we've endeavored to do. And now we're about to build this building, and it's going to be more than just a sanctuary. It's going to be, to me, an expression of the love of God. Sure, we're going to worship there. It's going to be our permanent spot. And we're going to have a global broadcasting space from there. We're going to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we're also going to impact the community significantly from this space. Because to me, that's God. Because my God, don't just love Christians. My God loves heathens. I'm going to make everybody clap for that. It's my message. If you are lost and don't know the Lord, all you have to do is seek him while he may be found. So we're giving. Now, if you've ever have been generous, I need you to be generous now. And I take up these offerings, and I, don't, I just want you to give and, I, and, and, and just to be faithful because we're on our way there. Come on, let's bow our heads and pray. God, thank you for this time that we have together. Thank you for your anointing that destroys the yoke. Thank you for the awesomeness of this service. I ask you to bless both gift and giver in the name of Jesus. Every person that's giving online, every person that's in the room that's determined to give. God, we want to seek you. We want to see you. We want to know you. We want to know you outside of the confines of our cultural generational expression of you. We want to know you. We want to know you in the pardoning of our sins. We want to know you in our forgiveness. We want to know you in the mercy that we all need. We don't want to just know you in our self-righteousness. We want to know you in our weakness, in our hardship, in our persecution. When we're weak, you make us strong. Thank you for this moment that we have to give. Thank you for this building project, this vision. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray we all sit together. God bless you as you give. As the bucket passes, you just sit in your chair for just a second. Next Sunday is our away game Sunday, and it's still not too late for you to register. We've got this huge theater. It seats like, a thousand people and over a thousand people. We've got a lot of people registered. Folk are coming from the Charlotte area. We are going to Charlotte. We are having our Sunday morning service in Charlotte next Sunday. All of you just know we'll be streaming this service from Charlotte. Okay, as a matter of fact, we're going there Saturday, Saturday night we're having an all white party and so huh? Limited space for that. Very limited. Pastor Tony's talking to me. And so but but then Sunday morning there's still seats available. And you can come and worship with us. We're going to have us a time in Charlotte. We're going to stream it from there. Since 75 to 80% of our congregation is watching us online anyway, hey, y'all, we have decided that we don't necessarily have to just meet here. We can take this on the road and go just about anywhere. And you are free to come with us. If you're like, well, where am I going to go to church, Pastor Andy? Well, drive two hours to Charlotte and go to church with us. We're going to shout. I'm going to share a word. It's going to be powerful. Or you'll be able to stream. Amen? But we have decided that we're not trying to go back. We're going forward. I'm going to make everybody clap for that. The church is no longer enclosed within the four walls of this location. And we will, of course, we will be back here the following Sunday having communion and, of course, we'll come back together and have an awesome time. But next Sunday, we will be in Charlotte. It's this vision the Lord has given me. It's called The Away Game, and it's going to be powerful. And we're still inviting you to come. Still not too late for you to register. You can still come to the service. We're going to jam that room out. We're going to shout. We're going to praise. We're going to worship. We're going to have an awesome time together next Sunday. Amen? And then the following Sunday, which is the 10th, we'll be back here and we'll have our services. As we always do, we'll have communion and we'll do what we do. But next Sunday we will be in Charlotte having this service there and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be powerful and you don't want to miss it. Amen? You'll be able to tune in and stream it or you can come to to the service with us and worship. There won't be a live service here. There will not be a live service here in this building. There will be a live service in Charlotte and they'll stream everywhere. Amen. Stand to your feet. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you. Thank you for this time that we had together. Great is your mercy towards me, your loving kindness towards me, your tender mercies I see day after day, forever faithful, always providing. Great is your grace. Thank you for living so big in us today. God, as we always pr- pray, bless your people, make your face shine upon your people, be gracious to your people, give us peace. In times like these thank you for truth, thank you for wisdom thank you for the expression of your grace towards us thank you for your original intent towards us that we be made in your image and made in your likeness, that we will talk to you, speak to us bless us, multiply us provide for us connect us use us as we always pray, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your your sight. God bless your people. Be gracious to your people. Smile upon your people. Give us peace, favor on your people. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name we pray. We all sit together. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming to church today. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church podcast for more information on W O C C and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.